Hello and welcome to another OV Community Member Spotlight session. And today we're going to be talking to Paula Guilfoy. And we're going to be talking about different learning styles uh, that you can incorporate into online learning. And let me just pop the Q&A app up for people so they can pop and say hello. Hi, Terry. Hi, Olivia. They're on time and nice and early, so they've just popped in. Um, Paula is our resident expert in the OV community when it comes to um, the online marketplace and how the online uh, learning ecosystem is working and progressing. And she will share some really interesting stuff. She's got some real deep insights into online education. But I just want uh, to let Paula introduce herself. So Paula, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from and your background, etc.? Thanks, Mark. I can indeed. Yeah, my name is Paula Gilfoyle, as Mark introduced me. I'm from Dublin in Ireland. A little bit about my own personal background. I have two kids. My family life is very important. I am by profession, I'm a qualified CPA. I am no longer working as a CPA, though. My interest now is online education and, and training. I'm motivated by training. I love to see learners learn and actually achieve something. So I no longer work as an accountant. I've moved totally out of the field now in the last few weeks, and I'm dedicating myself fully to online learning and online teaching. Well, that's, that's quite a move, Paula. That's it quite a move. It is. It's not what, the what's first motivated? time. What's yeah, motivated? Not the first time I've made this sort of change. I Ireland went through some difficult times. You're probably aware, economic downturn, the whole world went upside down for a while. Well, Ireland didn't escape, okay? I was working in the construction industry, and the construction industry was the most heavily hit industry in Ireland, company here in Ireland. And I went on maternity leave. And when I came back from maternity leave, there was no job. The company was gone. So I was kind of left saying, you know, right, well, what will I do? Um, all markets took downturn then. And, you know, accountants were one of the first people that people were letting go because they didn't see them as adding value. There was nobody hiring accountants. They didn't add any value, which was a fair enough point. So I sat back and I thought about what I actually enjoy doing, what I got out of my job personally for myself. And one of the things that I got was from my juniors, from training my juniors. I really, really enjoyed training my juniors. I had one particular girl that I took on. She came from a background where she left school when she was 14. She didn't have a formal education and a senior director that I was working with was very heavily, you know, oh, you have to have a degree to even answer the phones. And, you know, he was quite disappointed in me for actually hiring this girl. But I had questioned her in the interview why she didn't go on in school. And her story was quite sad. Her brother had been murdered. And the guy that murdered her brother, his sister, was in her class. Mm. So she couldn't go back to school. She couldn't face going back to school. And she hadn't been given any opportunity since. By the time I went on maternity leave, she had a degree in marketing. And when she got her degree and when she collected her degree, she came into me and it was hugs and tears. And she thanked me. Mm. So that's, that's a huge achievement for somebody. And, and I helped. So I thought, well, how can I teach people? You know, I didn't want to go back to college to do a degree in teaching, and what skills do I have? So being an accountant, I realized, you know, from interviewing people, there was a skills gap in accountants for Microsoft Excel. So I produced my first course, which was a 10-hour course, and I brought it to the accountancy bodies here in Ireland, and I had it accredited for CPD. So if any of you know what CPD is, as a professional, you have to do so many hours of courses every year to continue being in this professional body, and they have to be accredited courses. So my course got accredited and got put on the list of accredited courses for CPD, and people kind of had to buy it. There, weren't, there aren't that many accredited online courses for CPD, so the course done pretty well and was taken over, and it was based on Excel 2007, so I then updated it to be based on Excel 2007 and 2010, and then I wrote a new course for Excel 2013, and then since then I've wrote a number of shorter courses, and I would also then do a lot of talks as well on Excel and on fraud and that sort of stuff too, so that's how my first courses came about. But when I wrote my first courses, Udemy wasn't in existence. So I had to have my own learning site built. 
So I outsourced this to a team of developers in India, but you know that's a whole different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a whole, whole different. I've, I've been there, Paula. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah, yeah. So my relationship with the developers in India has strained so much that I'm not wanting to now push my own courses as much as I'm wanting to get involved with Udemy and having my courses on Udemy until I can sort out. I'm thinking about moving to Feroda or one of the other ones um, that are an off-the-shelf type package, but until I make that move, I my focus is on Udemy. I had put my Excel courses up there and I kind of let them run and don't market them because there was a conflict of interest to online businesses. So I just let, let them run and they tick over. They bring in a couple of hundred euro mm. every month. and. Mm. That's great, but I had a lot of put-offs from Udemy. I, Udemy were very interested in growing their numbers. Okay, they're a business, so let's face it. Their interest wasn't, are you learning? Their interest was revenue. It was making money. They have rounds and rounds of funding, and they have to impress their funders, so they have to bring in the users. So they had a, they would heavily promote it themselves in the Udemy Facebook groups and stuff, give out free coupons, give out free coupons, get the users in. Mm. Now Udemy have the user numbers and their interest is changing and their interest is changing to learning. They have a learning science team now. Um, I was talking to one of the guys on LinkedIn there only last week and they're interested now in learning and this has brought me back to Udemy. And this is an area that I have explored over the last five years since I've been teaching online because my completion rates were quite low, there wasn't much interaction, so I started looking up and learning and I've done quite a lot of MOOCs now on education and on online learning and stuff like that. So I've decided to put all this knowledge together to help other people that have an interest in something Mm, mm. teach people because we're, we're not educators we weren't the majority of Udemy instructors aren't educators we're hobbyists we're experts but we're not actual educators mm, mm. and can you just explain what MOOCs is to people that might not know what that means a MOOC is well Udemy is a type of a MOOC MOOC is a massive open online course okay so Udemy is kind of classed in there with MOOCs because there's so many free courses on Udemy the majority of MOOCs are ran, ran by colleges. Um, they're degree level education, they're presented by professors, they're free, but if you want to get the points to go towards your degree or the qualification that you're looking for, then you have to pay. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're academic level studies instead of just video based type stuff that Udemy is doing. The lecturers are qualified lecturers and, and stuff like that. Um, if you you know to get an understanding of learning, there's so much information online, and you know this is a topic that we're going to touch mm. on. That I chose MOOCs because it's the way I like to learn. Not everybody likes to learn in the same way, and that's one of the key things that we're going to talk about here today. Mm-hmm. So, so you currently so you got involved, you created your own website, and obviously that's you know I've. Uh, developed my own website since moved to um, and we can develop our own websites from WordPress up we, we tend to use sort of very simple systems whenever possible now mm. so in those five years obviously like you said there's been that real focus on figuring out how do you get engagement and it's even must be even more difficult on a private website where you're not getting the traffic of Udemy because one thing Udemy is good at is finding students and that's yeah. where most people struggle with their websites, isn't it? It is, it is. And I mean, that's down to marketing and down to content and stuff like that. And Udemy, Udemy do that. They're just all over that. That's, that's their mm. gig. Um, I can't. I mean, they have 7 million users. There's not even 7 million people in Ireland, for God's sake. My courses were focused towards accountants. There's only 22,000 accountants in Ireland. Mm. So the market it isn't big enough in Ireland for me. I need a larger market and uh, you know I'm too small, it's just me, how can I reach the world? Hi Udemy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's start sort of digging into stuff. So um, so one of the things we want to discuss is different learning styles create engagement for different types of learners. Can we just discuss that very, very sort of uh, We can do 
Yeah, yeah. Well, I mentioned earlier on about information on the internet, okay? There's just, it's just information. It's crazy. Everywhere you go, there's information. And it can be such a distraction. And I don't know about you, Mark, or any of the viewers there, but I hop from thing to thing. You know, I'll go onto YouTube wanting to find out something about a black hole, and I end up looking at butterflies or something else, and I'm still there three hours later. You just lose yourself in the madness on the internet. So if you have a learning style that you prefer, you're going to gravitate towards that type of content. So if you like listening, you're going to listen to podcasts. That's the type of content that you're going to want. If you're into visual, you're going to look at, at um, videos. Okay, Some of them might be interactive, some of them might be talking head. There's loads of different video types. Some people are into reading, so they're going to go to blogs. If you can't provide content to somebody in the format that they want, when they want it, there's so much elsewhere, they're just going to go somewhere else. On mm, mm, um, mm. Udemy itself, I mean, the courses aren't exclusive. There's loads of courses on WordPress. There's loads of courses on Excel. So if my teaching style doesn't suit the learner, they're going to look at other courses, and I'm going to lose that student halfway through. Mm, mm, so mm. understanding learning styles is quite important, and I, I think we're going to discuss that next mm. one. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some of these different learning styles. And in in your um, and just so that people know, obviously you've got a, a a new course on Udemy that's just come out, and I know you're just working on finishing touches and you know yeah. you're the last few bits. And you know, just explain what that course actually is, its title, and what it actually is, Paula. Before I go into this. Okay. Well, the title I wasn't allowed to use the title I wanted because there's not enough character space in the Udemy thing. What I wanted to call the course was how to increase engagement, student satisfaction, and completion rates on your Udemy course. But I've had to shorten it down now. It's something like how to increase engagement and satisfaction on your Udemy course is all I could fit in. So, But increasing both of them, and you're going to increase the completion rate. Yeah. So what I wanted to do is I just, obviously, I've been through your course. Uh, you know, uh, it's a very good course. And I just wanted to pull out one element for our audience tonight and really focus on that. And I've got selfish sort of motivation as well, because I want to really sort of get into this as well. Um, because although I've got informal teaching experience, I've been informally uh, teaching uh, for over like 10 or 12 years. I don't come from a, a formal education background in the, in the sense of a, a teacher training or anything like that. So, you know, I've got what we would call sort of, I don't know how we describe it, sort of layman skills when it's comes to teaching. So when we start talking about, um, you know, these different sort of learning styles, I'm actually very, very interested in this as well. So if we, just start with, so visual learning style. So uh, what I wanted to do, discuss visual. What we've got is the three types that you've identified in your course. As, as a, I know it's more than that, but the basic mm. sort of definitions. Visual, auditory, and uh, kinesthetic. So can we start with visual? Okay. Visual, as it says, you learn mm -hmm. through seeing, okay? Visual learners, they're going to relate most effectively, effectively to written information. They're going to learn from notes. They're going to learn from diagrams. They're going to learn from pictures. They need to see, here's a, here's a good thing, they actually need to see the tutor's body language and facial expressions to understand the context of what's being said. Okay? okay. These type of people, they're going to tend to they think of pictures. And they like to use visual displays. They'll have diagrams. They'll have illustrations. They'll have videos and flip charts. Okay? You'll notice this type of learner likes to take notes. They like to take a lot of detailed notes. Okay? And they would be very effective in their communication and their oral um, expressions. They make up about 65% of the population. Okay? okay. Auditory learners. It is it is quite interesting, and I'm going to go back to these percentages now in a couple of minutes, okay? Auditory learners, they learn through listening. So they listen to podcasts. They like to listen to verbal lectures. They like to, if they don't, if they don't actually hear something, it doesn't matter what you have written down. If they don't hear it, it's not true, okay? That's basically what an auditory learner is. They um, would be sophisticated speakers, and they tend actually to specialize in stuff like law and politics, okay? okay. They make up about 30% of the population. 
The last type of learner that you mentioned is the kinesthetic type of learner, and these only make up about 5% of the population. This is the smallest percentage of the population, and they learn effectively through touch, through exploring the world, through interacting with things and participating, okay? They are, with children you'd find that a kinesthetic type of learner finds it very hard to sit still. With an adult learner, you'd find that they would they would tend not to finish things more often because the teaching style is not in tune with their learning style. So these type of learners are the least likely people to actually finish a course. But putting all of this together, okay, you have to take in some general characteristics of adult learners. Okay, so adult learners come to courses for different reasons and when they come to a course they've come with accumulated life experiences. So what does this mean? This means that some of them might work in banks, some of them might work in a, a, a cleaning company, they have all different walks of life coming to courses. Okay, and they like to draw, adults like to draw from their own past experiences and apply the knowledge that they already know to the new subject that they're learning, okay? Adult, adult learners tend to increase their efforts when they're motivated by a need, an interest, or a desire to learn. So motivation is a big key as well when you're thinking about designing your course. Every adult learner comes from individual backgrounds, okay? Some of them have an academic background, some of them have a very low level of education, some of them come from big families, some of them come from small families, Everybody is different. Adult learners are also mature students. This is the last thing they want us to be actually lectured to, okay? And the final point I want to make about adult learners is sometimes they're very tired by the time they actually get to your class when they get to fit it in. Mm. And that is a big consideration when you're thinking about learning styles and how you're going to interact. I mean, you, you don't want adults hopping around the sitting room at 10 o'clock at night, you know, when they're completely exhausted. So the activities that you build in, you think about these things, that it's adults that you're teaching, it's not a child that you're mm. actually thinking mm. of teaching. So, that, so that, that's, that's really interesting. There's a lot of information in there. But mm. So we've got, so typically on Udemy then, we're going to have people that, I've noticed that a lot of the courses on Udemy are about increasing, um, you know, developing skills that are going to produce some type of monetary advantage at some point in the future. So there's a lot of courses like that that either aids them professionally or enables them to start a new career, enables them to earn additional streams of revenue. That's motivation. That comes yeah, so that comes into what you were talking about at the beginning there, wasn't it? The motivation. Motivation, of, yeah. You know, so I think a lot of people come to that, don't they? So what about it's, the hobby side of things, Paula? Because what, 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 have you ever looked into what... Again, again that's, that's motivation, okay? okay. They're, they're coming with an interest. What's, what's motivating them to do that course? It's, it's their interest in it. It's their little time out from their family. It's their little time out from their job. It's their little hobby. So interest is a big motivational factor as well. I mean, a need for motivation, or a need would be you need this skill for a promotion. Okay, a desire to learn is just you want to learn something because you want to see if it's a career path you want to take. An interest, as you said, like a hobby into mm -hmm. photography or something like that. So they're all mm -hmm. motivational factors of why somebody takes a course in the first place. But then why do they stay with the course and how do they stay with the course is, are you touching on the learning style that they enjoy most? Mm -hmm. So if we come back to the to the, the visual then, so let's try and make that, uh, I just want to give a quick shout out to a few people in the stream while I remember, Paul. We'll just take a breath there. I just want to say hi to Eileen. And she said she was trying to go mad. She was going mad because she's trying to watch it, but she couldn't get to the comments from the phone. Eileen, I tried the comment tracker again tonight. It would not work for me. It just refuses to accept the URL I put in. Don't know why. Uh, and also, I wanted to give a shout out to Rob Slee from Creature Design because uh, he's joined us as well, and it's always good to have him there. So let's just come back to this idea of a visual learning style. So if you was going to 
create a course and what what would some, be some of the tips you would give someone practically to appeal to someone from, we'll do this for each type. So we'll try and keep them separate. I know it's probably not that easy, Paul, but if it was someone from a visual style, what, what things would you emphasize? What things would you prioritize in your course? Okay, so a visual style, they learn through seeing, okay? They think in pictures. So when you're using your slides, it wouldn't all be text-based on your slides. Have pictures, have diagrams, have illustrations, okay? Use um, text within them, but have a lot of imagery involved, okay? If it's a talk and head video, use body language. I've seen some talk and head videos. Um, now, I'm not perfect, okay? <laughs> Please don't come criticizing me now saying, oh, I've seen your video. But I've seen some talking head videos and the person's up quite close like this uh -huh. and there's no movement and there's no body language and they're very clearly spoken. I've no criticisms on their speak. I've no criticisms in their rhythm and anything like that. But there's no body language. There's no gestures. There's no passion. Mm -hmm. And visual learners to interpret stuff need to see that. They'll get the context mm -hmm. from that. Whereas an audio person would be happy with this because they're they're looking at the rhythm of your voice they're listening to the tone and the pitch of your voice so they're quite different they're two completely different types of video yes because i know that i i particularly you know and I, this is videography background for, and i'm a commercial photographer as well so it's compositionally for me but the way i shoot my videos is where i recommend people do it so it's a third up you know, mm. so it's sort of like the top half, top third, so you can see the hands. And it's so important, isn't it, that people can see the hands and understand the the gestures. You know, if I had the, if I wasn't using my MacBook jam here, I'd pull myself back even now in this hangout and I'd be able to do that. But with a, a webcam, it's very difficult to get that because of the wide angle sort of lens. But, you know, that that communication of the emotion and everything and the, the, the body language and the movement, if I if I if I, I really struggle, so maybe you're helping me to understand this now. But I really struggle if someone's face is really close to the screen. I'm almost like you know, like when you're talking to someone and and you don't know them that well. Yeah. And they're like really close to you. I just sort of I physically take a Move step back. back from the screen because it's it's too. It's, in your face. It's, my, it's, my, it's in my personal space. So how does that sort of relate? Have you got any thoughts on that, Paula? Well, again, that's, that's down to learning styles. And you'll see in some of my tutorials, because I don't, I'm not happy with this situation yeah. either, okay? I use an element of zoom in. So mm -hmm. when I'm coming to a really important thing that I want somebody to understand, I actually do zoom in. And then I'll zoom back out again. And it's a slow zoom. It's not a zoom. So I use Camastasia and a slow just zoom in. There's no change in camera. I'm using a webcam. And then I just zoom back out again. And it draws in to that particular piece of information that you're trying to um, draw attention to or make sure that you want all learners to understand this piece. So I've brought in the video. And you know I'll change my tone or my rhythm. And then I'll bring the video back out again. Mm -hmm. And um, if anyone's watching um, in the OV community, Tracy's Tracy Chapman, is it? Tra no, what's, what's Tracy's? Tracy Goodwin. Goodwin. Tracy Goodwin's got excellent, excellent courses on uh, how to do tone and inflection and everything. Mm. And we'll get her on a spotlight session at some time. So she really goes into a lot of that stuff. So, so you would, so talking heads is very good for this group as well, you said? Talking so, heads is very good for this group diagrams and images, a graphical representation of something. So if you're using a, a mashup, instead of having text beside, and I have a lot of text in some of them, and actually there was a discussion, there was some feedback given to me that by a particular um, person that was watching my video to say that they learned better with the flash-up text and not the flash-up images beside. So you're never, the, the thing with online learning, you're never going to suit everybody. No, but it's good to know these things, isn't it? It's it good is to good understand. to know, and the more, I mean, I have both picture, graphics, and text, so I'm hoping to engage each type mm. of learner by having that and not exclude anybody because they have a different preferred learning method than the way I'm teaching. If I can encompass everybody, there's more chance to make more people happy. 
if you're doing a lot of switching as well, Paula, you're probably going to hold that person's attention more as well because the more, um, you know, if you're, and what I think I'm hearing you say is if you've got talking heads and you can have text come up and you can have images, you know, they're going to find that more engaging because, you know, there's not a boredom sort of threshold there. There's not just one thing happening. Would you? You say that, or is that? I would, I would say that. Um, now, you know, I've had to kind of extract that information out of people. People are very quick to criticise. Okay, when you ask for feedback, okay, um, I wouldn't be so quick to compliment. And I've had to purposely ask people. Some people have said to me, it's a distraction. And nobody was coming back with anything positive. And I was like, oh, I've got all these other positive comments nothing mentioning this so let's go and ask um, having my own site it's much easier to do that than to do that with the Udemy site yeah so I was able to actually just ask people and people did find it more engaging it was the people that found it a distraction that happened to mention it because they weren't happy but the people that were happy just didn't bother mentioning it so that's really interesting okay yeah. so, so now we've got uh, so we've now we've got auditory and you know this was this was a massive section as well not as big as the visual but this is a massive section for the, the the ratios you were just describing um but i would imagine that udemy format is actually more su suited to the first group than the second with video online learning would, would you agree with that or disagree paula is that i fair assessment? know what no, I wouldn't fully agree with you because they can take notes. You know, auditory learners, they, they learn they've best. They've still got the audio. They've still got the audio. They learn best by going to a lecture and sitting there and actually listening and then talking through things and discussing things. Now, this is one of the things with, in my course that I'm very active on is trying to get people to discuss things within the discussion board. And motivating students and learners to do this can be quite difficult and like you said Mark my course I'm still doing finishing touches so I haven't got I haven't pushed it hugely for marketing to get people on there discussing and stuff but this is why they I have discussions up on my discussion boards some people like to talk things through they want to take out a key learning point and they want to actually discuss it so in my course what I do for these type of learners is I say okay here's the material and go and research and come back and let's have a discussion on the discussion board. Let's post what you learn and we can discuss it. So that will reach. Now you can also, on Udemy, you can also just post MP3 files. And I had an interview with you, Mark. I have a section on the course on social learning and I had an interview with the OV committee or with the OV um, startup people with yourself and Philomena last week. And I'm going to be putting that on my course as just an audio file, not as a video file. Now, that's not going to appeal to everybody. But the auditory learners that haven't had just an auditory piece for them now have. So the visual learners aren't going to be happy. But 70 or 80% of the course is fo focused towards them mm. because it's such a higher percentage of the learner type. Mm, mm. But I have that piece in there. So these learners, they don't feel excluded. They don't feel left behind. Mm, mm. Yeah, and the other thing I think about with audio uh, in my Udemy course, what I do, like this Hangout will be taken and I'll turn it into a podcast and we then take that audio uh, and in my main Udemy course, creation course, we insert all these Hangouts because it's just really useful, free bonus stuff for us. Mm, mm. um, you know, so everybody on here will, you know, will get a little mention in our course and hopefully they'll get some traffic from that. But what what happens is now we've got that in there is those people can the people can actually listen to that stuff uh, and they will listen to it in the same way as they would a podcast. So they're not they can that now they can listen to it while they're doing stuff. Now they can and that's another part of the auditory learning, isn't it? It is. Auditory learning is it allows you to multitask. It allows you to be doing other things while you're learning. I know Phil has always got headphones in her ears. It's it's you know, it's you know, forgive me, Phil. She's watching. But it's <laughs> possible to get any sense out of her. You know, Phil's mindset is if she's having to do any housework or any cooking or anything, look, it's a waste of time. So if I'm gonna be doing that, I wanna be learning while I'm doing it. So she's always got something plugged in. The pro only problem is if you need to ask her a question, you can't get sense because she can never hear you. <laughs> but, um, you know, so, and, and, and she's always taking notes. So I think, you know, that's, that's Phil's sort of particular learning style. 
but that's another thing with that type of learner, isn't it? We, we, and I think it is. It is. They, do they tend to use that type, that style of. They do tend well. to. They do tend to. They they listen to it walking around and stuff. But you know what else is very good for them as well? Rhythm and rhymes. Um, I don't know how you learned when you were in school. I used to have spelling tests every Friday in school. Ten whole spellings every Friday, and you'd get marked out ten when I was in primary school. And if I was learning a spelling, it would be by rhythm. So B A T H bat, B A T H bat. That's auditory learning. Okay. Now, obviously, as a child, I didn't know that was auditory learning. So if there's a fact or something that you need somebody to actually take in, learn, and absorb, and retain, you could try something like that. And if it's going to help your learners learn, which to me, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, reaching as many learners and helping them learn. So if I'm sitting there going, B-A-T-H, bat, so be it, <laughs> if it's going to help them learn. Okay, now I'm taking it a bit extreme there, Mark, but... You, you get what I'm saying, yeah? This It's not just about the how you're presenting the material. It's not just about, okay, well, I can put on an audio file or an MP3 file. You can do stuff in your video, like B-A-T-H, and make it more engaging for that type of learner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got... This is one I probably would... I want some really good examples on as well is uh but on though before we go with the before we move on from the auditory so what so what top tips would you have for someone for bringing that i know we sort of thinking but if you had to sum it up what would be the the thing you'd focus on to bring that auditory audience in, in your tone course? and pitch i um and you mentioned tracy's courses there as well and another another good resource would be to watch some of the ted talks just watching these type of speakers, listening to the rhythm, listening to their tone, listening to their pitch, and how this all affects. I mean, you can talk really fast, and you make things sound really, really excited, and then you can slow things down. Mm -hmm. So all of this sort of stuff can be brought into play when you're in your talking head videos to engage the auditory learner a little bit more. And I think, I think this is a very underrated skill as well, because... Yeah. You know, when you're doing presentations, when you're speaking, one of the things with teaching is if you're if you've got a very monotone voice and you're teaching like this, you know, I, I've come across people and I actually love the stuff they're teaching and they're doing video. And me and Phil, you know, and the, you know, these guys will be doing two hours at a time, you know. So when you'd be saying ten minutes, you know, these guys are doing two hours, they probably need to listen a little bit and break the segments up, but they're doing two hours. And I'm, I really love it, and I want to watch it. And I'm literally, I've literally fell asleep after about 25 minutes because these guys, they just send me to sleep with their voice. I don't know how they do it, but I just, I literally will fall asleep. I'm, just, I'm off. And, and it, yeah, and it's, it's probably a monotone, and they just talk like this, and then yeah. there's nothing, and there's no passion, and there's no engagement, and it just keeps going. Yeah, and that's that's really important, isn't it? Because we can we we really focus on the visuals, we really focus and on all these different things. But if we don't, I think we we should all if we're we're teaching online, we should all engage in, in some voice coaching. We should be intelligent about how our delivery style and audio style because that particular group of learners they're going to really want that, especially aren't they? Like you hmm. saying, yeah. Yes, and definitely uh, Tracy's courses are good courses to, to look up. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah. check out Tracy Goodwin's course on Udemy on that. Really, really good. I found them really, really good. And she really goes into it. She really knows all the ins and outs of everything. Um, kinesthetic. Kinesthetic. So these learners, they learn through moving. They learn through doing. They learn through touching. And supposedly only 5% of the population learn this way. Now, when we're talking about learning styles, we've touched on the three of them, and I'm saying only 5% prefer to learn this way. Every learner can learn always. It's the preferred learning method. Okay, so that, that is key to every, everything. And depending on their educational background, you can, cha you can change somebody's preferred learning style. Okay, you can incorporate other learning styles. I mean, if somebody's been brought up with a background of visual learning and haven't had a chance to experience kinesthetic learning, how do they know they don't enjoy it? Mm. 
So you can change somebody's perspective of learning and there are courses appearing on Udemy now about learning and how to learn and how to learn best. And as learners start looking at these, so I mean there's a lot of for students that would be leaving school now and coming into the workplace, which hopefully will be our students in the next three or four years time. A lot of them now as part of their college courses have study skill classes to teach them all the elements of these sort of learning styles. So again, you know, it's not, you don't set yourself to one. So let's go back and talk about kinesthetic learning because I've gone off the point there a little bit. Mm -hmm. So these learn through touch, they learn through movement, they learn through exploring and you'll easily recognize this in a child would as... That be, would that be like a mechanic? Would they learn mechanic. that like a plumber? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes, people that are good with their hands, people that end up being good with their hands are usually good with this and our academic system growing up is focused on reading and writing and literacy and it, it's not fully focused on kinesthetic and I think that's why only 5% of the population are coming out as kinesthetic learners because it's not a teaching style that's used predominantly in school. Schools are focused towards getting people to a certain education standard um, and doing certain exams and doing so well in certain exams to get further. They're not interested in practical ability. So I think that's one of the reasons why only 5% of the people are kinesthetic learners. And I think if you start introducing more kinesthetic things into your courses, especially for creative courses, photography courses, design type courses, any of these courses where you can add a practical element, put in a practical element. So what would you do? Would you sort of, here's a task, go and physically do this? Is that how you would approach here's it? Here's a task, go and physically do it. This visual, auditory and kinesthetic type of learning, the VAC approach, is an active learning approach, okay? There's many different learning approaches and this is just one of the active learning approaches, okay? So what you need to do is you need to make up an activity within your course that's going to appeal to that type of learner. So let's say a photography course. So you could set a task, go and take, I don't know anything about a photography, a macro picture of a flower with a blurred background. And when you have your picture taken... You know, you know, you know a little bit, bit, to be able to say that. As a photographer, I can confirm you know a little bit there. But... Oh, my husband. <laughs> my husband has a newfound interest, okay? He's saying macro to you occasionally. I have, no, I have all these settings on my, on my, on my camera, on my phone anyway. So, so there's the task, okay? Uh -huh. You can ask them then to upload the picture to you, or upload the picture anywhere on the internet and put a link to it in the discussion board. They can actually post images in the discussion, but anyway, carry on. Do you know, I, own, I only seen that the other day, and I was meant to go back on that, and thank you. Yes. It just reminded me. Yeah. Because yes. I've done it in my photography course, you see, because I've got, and I, you know, I encourage people to put their pictures. Did you put up a GIF? No, I've, I've, only, I've only done JPEGs, so I haven't done any GIFs or anything. Okay, okay. I was listening to somebody. That was in their promotional email they were talking about. Yes. And whether that would be allowed or not. But oh, you are no, but actually in the in, <laughs> in, in, in the course you can actually upload a, a photo. So on the discussion you know, board, that, yeah. Yes. In yeah, in the discussion area. So that's where you can actually and I've done this on my photography course, go and do this, come back and do the, and, and 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 share your image or show an image. So so what's some of the tips of that? Do you have to be very specific? Do you have to be I would be very Pacific, okay, but there's other ways as well as just using the discussion board to make this social to engage the learners, okay? So there's all these different learning methods and, and teaching styles, and you can make sure you have all of them in your course. But really, to actually engage the learner is to make it social, okay? So the discussion board within Udemy is one option. But the likes of this photograph thing that we said, learners might want to disclose themselves on mm -hmm. the platform. Mm -hmm. They might be embarrassed. They might be shy. They might just not want to disclose themselves on the platform. Why not have a Twitter hashtag? Your mm -hmm. name, your course, picture one, I don't know, whatever. And at any stage, so that means people aren't saying, oh, well, nobody's posted a picture in three weeks, so I'm not posting one. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this sort of mentality yeah, that goes on yeah. with people. and. But with a Twitter tag, it's completely, they're not going back and saying, well, nothing's being posted. It, it, it just seems to be a different sort of mentality. Mm. So you can get them into the social process that way. Kinesthetic learners don't engage as well. They wouldn't be as social. They would be more shy type of people, okay? So bringing them in using the likes of a Twitter 
uh, tag. And that's just one example. The discussion board would suit the visual learners and the auditory learners an awful lot more. They're less shy, they'd be more outgoing type of person. But the kinesthetic learner might like something where they don't have to disclose who they are, where other mm -hmm. people can see exactly who they are. Mm -hmm. So Twitter hashtag is a good tool to use there. Mm -hmm. Now we've got some got some questions here. I just wanted to pull in there if we can. And um, Robin has asked, um, Eileen said it wasn't your fault, Mark, it was hers. She was messing around <laughs> with the phone. Um, but yeah, still Eileen, the comment tracker just doesn't work for me. Um, I just tried to do it again tonight. Um, and if you're listening to a podcast and you're a little bit confused about these questions, these questions are coming in live as recording this Hangout. And uh, you can find the video on YouTube. So pop on to Mark Tim Blake or pop into the online video educators and entrepreneurs community in Google Plus, and you will find the video of this podcast. Um, Robin's asked a good question. Um, what are your thoughts on including quizzes in a course? Okay. Um, hmm. Can we address that to which type of person that is? How... And especially the Udemy, I'm not bothered with them that much because it just seems like I'm doing it for the sake of it because Udemy keeps saying it. So what, what's your thoughts on, the, on that quiz format function type of thing? The Udemy quiz function, I mean, if you don't complete the quiz, the thing with Udemy is if you don't complete the quiz, you don't get your 100% complete and you don't get your certificate of completion. Okay? So some people like quizzes, and this touches on the emotional side of learning because there's also an emotional side of learning. And by putting in a quiz, some people find that you're putting them under pressure. That's an emotion. And some people don't like that. But then some people work really, really well under pressure and timed exams and all that sort of stuff. They do great and things mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. What I've done in my course is, instead of putting in quizzes, I've used the quiz feature to kind of tick Woody Udemy's boxes. And I've used it as a checklist for the actual section. So have you done activity one, have you done activity two, and have you done activity three? It's not a quiz. And I've put activities through the course and activities that will engage different learners um, throughout the course. And I, I put them in kind of differently. My course is about how to engage the learner and it's through practical, showing people practically what they can do through my course, okay? So I have an activity, an active learning activity, where I introduce these teaching methods that we talked about, these learning styles, and I tell the learner I go off and delve deep, deeper into one of these and see how you can apply this to your course and then come back to me. Or else, summarize what I've just talked about, because summaries is also an active learning process. They have to write down what they've learned, and writing is an active learning process. So they have the choice of researching, or they have the choice of, of summarizing what I have written, just to make sure that the information stays with them. The thing with tests is they're there for two reasons, okay? They're there to make sure it's... See, with the Udemy system, you can't see this, the learner's test results. Okay, mm -hmm. I can't as an instructor go in and see how well is my learner performing, how well is my course doing in teaching this learner, because if they're all failing the test, nobody's learning anything. But mm -hmm. I don't know that. So because I don't know that, I don't see the use in these quizzes, because I don't know how yeah. well people are doing. Yeah, yeah, I just, I just get the sense of, you know, that they associate at the moment people taking a quiz as engagement. But you've raised a really interesting point there, because for some people that would be considered a stressful negative experience but for other people that's really positive so if you just follow that blindly and, and don't have an intelligence about that you could get yourself in trouble but if you're intelligent about that you could just make it optional quiz it could be an optional quiz rather than you know and you're steering people and like you say you tend to want to point people more towards activities and use the quiz slightly different so that i think that's really really interesting paula yeah but that was, a, that was quite a good question. But as an instructor, as a teacher, and as an educator, because I don't know how well my learners are doing by taking these tests, and I do have normal quizzes on the Excel courses, I do have normal quizzes, I give them a workbook, and I say, well, which a pick one of the following formulas to sort out this solution. And they can pick, and it's fine, and they'd have to go to the workbook and practice to see which one of them works. So in that practical sort of application, to make them go and practice, because with 
excel if you don't practice it you're going to lose it okay mm. so from that point of view to reinforce the learning yes it worked well can we just talk about that, that for way. a second paula because we haven't got that we haven't got that in our notes but you know there is this reinforcing of learning isn't there yeah you know, when people there's you know there's they learn so much by seeing so much by hearing then so much by doing but if you, to reinforce what what would you recommend uh, people if you want to if you want to really reinforce the, the learning for someone what tip would you give a Udemy instructor considering the platforms and considering the tools they've got to actually do that yeah um well, that's one of the things that i struggled with udemy is that, that the tools aren't there on udemy to do that unless you can get the students engaging on the discussion board and talking to you it's very very difficult to actually do that on udemy and um, to reinforce the learning i would have summary cards at the end you could introduce flashcards. you could introduce um a very very high level summary sheet or a pdf just to keep reinforcing tests I mean, they can't reinforce something if they haven't learned it, if they don't know it and they don't understand it. I mean, asking somebody is it A or is it B when they haven't got a clue isn't reinforcing anything. Yeah. And again, with the tests, because you can't go back to see how your learners are doing, you can't help them reinforce. So yeah. it, it, it's making things a little bit repetitive. So maybe having an end of each section, having a summary for that particular section, having cheat sheets, having something that people can glance at really, really quickly. Infographics work well mm. for reinforcing. Just, just a reminder, just to reinforce. Just, what it's you've... just reminders, yeah, yeah, yeah and flashcards. Because one of the things I find, you know, my daughter's just gone through her A levels, and you know, she's been extremely stressed. And I don't, I don't agree with this. You know, for me, a lot of exams, they're a test on how well you memorize stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically what they are. So you've got people that are really, really super intelligent, but they just don't do very well in, in that scenario. Mm. The tests don't say, so, you know, what you've been saying tonight really does make a lot of sense. Um, Eileen said, you know, she had an experience where she actually got her course rejected because it didn't have a quiz, um, but she's no, they've gone through now. And I've, had, I've got lots of courses about quizzes. Um, and every time I put it in, they will say to me, you need to add a quiz. Uh, and they have these recommendations um, yeah. they put forward, but they just cut and paste. So no, I'm not familiar. That that sounds like quite a unique, maybe arbitrary uh, review you had there. I think now this is an interesting question from Robin as well, which I want to throw your way, Paula. Should we restrict? Should we restrict each video to a single message or topic? Or should we follow the five-paragraph approach as found in essay writing? Does that make sense to you? you yeah, it does, that? yeah. I would stick one video to one learning point. You can get off the topic too easy. And adult learners like to know what they're getting themselves in for. They, you know, they don't want to go into something thinking that they're going to learn X, Y, and Z, and then you go off talking about A, B, and C. So you need to have specific learning outcomes. And when this is this goes back to when you're designing your course, not you know, halfway through your course. When you're actually designing your course, you need to think about this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I find as well that, that you know, for me it's a case of when I'm preparing that for the student, I know at some point they're gonna to want to dip back into that subject. Mm. And if they've got a search for a 20-minute video to find the point. To find the point, 20 minute videos, you can, I mean, what's the attention span of people I, on the internet? It, it's not, it's not 20 minutes, you no. know, it's, it's definitely because there's so much other things going on and internet learning is the, one of the least priorities for people, mm. a 20 minute video. And I, I have loads of 20 minute videos on my 10 hour course on Excel. It's, you know, some things take that long to explain, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but my drop offs on them videos are quite high. So, you know, videos three to four minutes and end your video with the student wanting to know more. End the video maybe with a question or a, a, a why and not a how. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a good point is you should always try and lead them into the next subject from the end of the last yeah lecture. so it should be we're moving to this now or you know um so i think there were some some good questions there so let's 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 so we've got just to remind people we've got visual 
auditory and we've got kinesthetic learning styles. How might we practically combine all? What might that look like in a Udemy course to combine all three, Paula? How would we do that? You need to go and take my course to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Give them a teaser. Come on. Okay. Well, again, it's down to the activities. So make sure that every section of your course actually has an activity. Okay. Um, if you have three. Uh, sections in your course, you can fit in an activity to suit each learner. It's, it's just that simple. So it's, some of my sections have two or three activities per section. They have like learning breaks, which is an activity, and then, you know, that reinforces the learning. And then I also have then activities, so to develop the learner's understanding deeper to what I have actually explained to them. And I allow them to develop it in the way that they want to develop it and the learning style that they want. So I don't say you have to go and you have to do this in this format. I give them the option. I want you to write something. You can do it in a blog. Actually, do you know what? You can put it in a podcast. You can do it whatever you like, whatever way you like to do it. So I'm not restricting them. I'm not mm -hmm. saying go and do an essay. I'm not saying to them go and take this test. I'm not saying anything like that to them. I'm leaving it very open. So have activities within your course. So let's say it's a photography course. So section one go and take a photograph of this macro flower with blurred background and section two use a wide angle lens take a picture of it that way but to make that one different let me think what would be the best way so the, kinesthetics. That's interesting. Yeah. It, it, it is it is very kinesthetic because it you know it's the creative style mm -hmm. but then you could ask them to summarize the techniques used yeah or find more. examples of that online or do some research on different things exactly exactly yeah. To build so, them all in. yeah so what i'm what i'm what i'm getting here is fundamental for you for increasing uh, engagement on the course is creating these activities with you know and understanding these learning styles when you create those activities would you say that's a good summary that's yeah, just the core of what you're saying it does it does at the end the of the day what really you're important. trying to do is facilitate learning okay I, I i don't want to be a lecturer i'm not a lecturer and we all know that lecturing doesn't fully work to adults okay i want to facilitate the learner take this as far as they want to take it to I don't want to push it down their throat. I don't want to do anything like that. I want to facilitate. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Mark. I know I've talked to other lecturers as such um, that would be, oh, well, you're just a tutor, and that's your mindset. And, and that's fine, each for your own. But I find with adult learners, you know, they, they'll motivate themselves as long as they're interested. And as we mentioned earlier on, their interests could be for, their motivation could be for interest, it could be financial gain, career gain, or just to get away from normal life. Mm, mm, so, mm, mm. so how do you find the right balance? We've got this question here, Paul. How do you find the right balance between the three? Because do you sort of go, well, it's 60% this and it's 35% these guys and 5% that? Or is it by subject? When you think about creating these activities, how do you find the, the sort of... Okay, do, you well, use, do you use that metric or do you approach it a different way? Not fully, not fully, because there's an awful lot more to learning styles than just these three that we talked about, okay? There's, there's many other theories that are involved as well. And one of the other theories is the left brain, right brain theory, so your logical mm -hmm. versus your creative brain and getting these two to work together to help um, people understand things. And creative courses are going to be the more kinesthetic type learners. These are going to use the creative side of the brain and they kind of tie in slightly like that. But you need to bridge the gap and you need you do need to bring them over slightly to other methods as well. So the summaries or go and look something up or post something to a wiki or something like that. So you can actually see what level of understanding that they have. Because it really depends on what level of understanding you want your learners to have. Do you want them just to be able to understand what you're saying? Or do you want them to actually be able to apply that? And with the creative type courses, I would say most instructors want their learners to be able to actually go out and apply that practically. And yeah, most of the learning is about going and applying it practically. So why not engage more kinesthetic methods? When at the end mm. of the day, and that's why I was saying we'll touch back on these percentages later on, I believe even though only 5% of learners are 
kinesthetic, it's because they haven't been given the opportunity. And as a, adult learners, we want to apply this knowledge to something. We're not learning because we have to pass an exam. We're learning because of our motivation, whether it be financial gain, whether it be interest. Mm -hmm. And if it's for work, if it's for financial gain, we still want to be able to apply this knowledge. So sitting there listening to a lecture, yeah, you're learning it, but can the learner, how, how well does the learner understand it until they actually apply it? So I think kinesthetic methods are very, very important and trying to apply them into the course, getting practicality, getting yeah. and actually doing things. And I really like, um, like the last course I just released um, was on how to set up a Google site intranet. So basically what I've done is I've said, so now that, so you can explain back to me what I've done now, because what I did with this one, this was quite unique. I've not done this before. This is step, well, I have, but not for a whole course. So this is step by step. What we're going to do is we're going to build a Google site for project management. That's what we're mm. going to do. And what, what I want you to do is do exactly what I do, get to the end, and then once you've done that, you'll know how to do your own site. Okay. Yeah, by doing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, how does that fit into this sort of discussion? What, how would you sort of, is that, would you consider kinesthetic? Because they are actually sitting there having to do what I'm doing. It is. Yeah, it is kinesthetic. It's, it's very much kinesthetic. And it's kind of like the tests that I said or the quizzes that I said that I use in the Excel courses that I have, that I have a workbook and they need to go and do it to get the solution to get back to the test, so they have to use them side by side. So I've tried to apply that in that particular course. Learn by doing is kinesthetic. It's hands-on. It's feeling. It's touching. It's, okay, well, I don't like the look of this. I move that to the left-hand mm. side. That's learn by doing. And when, when you think about that, actually, just having this conversation with you, you know, a little bit of a light bulb moment, when you're learning Photoshop, when you're learning so many courses are actually kinesthetic in nature because you they know we, when we're learning software and we're learning a, you know so it's really important then to have these activities in place and that might be a major differential differential between the courses that succeed and the courses that don't because if you're teaching something that's like kinesthetic in nature like a learning mm. photoshop but you're not putting any activities into that course then that's going to be really difficult for people to pick up, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it is going to be. I mean, how can they learn it? I'll, I'll take my example. There are a lot of courses like that. There are a lot of courses like that. And if you don't sit down and do it, it's, you're just watching a video. Mm. Mm. And you have, to, you have to apply these sort of kinesthetic learning. It's, and it, it upsets me to see this 5% because I know as adults, Mm. Kinesthetic learning actually works better. Adults want to apply. We're problem solvers. We want to apply the knowledge that we have. We're not passive vessels that just sit there and absorb information. That's children. Mm. Mm. We're more. Yes, yeah, so it's very learning. modular. It's very, so we, we want to be doing modular stuff and things like that. So it's really, mm. really sort of really interesting. Um, Terry said here so the bottom line is. Uh, create the course for the student, what the student needs, how a student learns, what the student wants. Courses are for the student's needs. And yes, we are facilitators to give students the opportunity to learn. So I think you've got a, a kindred spirit in there in Terry, um, Paula, who said that. Um, Rob's done some takeaways. So we're, we're coming fast to the end. I'm going to read the takeaways. Yeah. Give it, then ask you to sort of fill any last sort of final thoughts or recommendations, and then um, I'm going to badger you for an offer for our viewers, yeah. which I'll talk about later. So let's do the takeaways. One, uh, this is uh, Rob's takeaways. He's a note taker because he always gives me his notes. Always, yeah. Yeah, he always gives me his notes. So we, you know, he's he's probably realizing something. I'm learning. I've realized something about the way I learned tonight. It's been very interesting. So uh, learning styles. Number one, visual. Um, uh, audio, audio, kinesthetic. Two, understanding the motivation to learn is quite important. Number three, don't talk at uh, the Q and A. Apps just moved the comments, and let me just find that again. I love this Q and A app. How it <laughs> just it jumps comments up and down. That's really useful when you're trying to read them. Um, don't talk at. Talk to your students. And I think that comes back to what you're saying that lecturing, you know, adult learners is not a good idea. You want to you want to be creating sort of, um, you know, that conversation, tone, pitch, and rhythm, vary your delivery, uh, reinforce learning using summary cards, and utilize activities to engage 
all styles. Robin would do really well in your course. You know that because <laughs> <laughs> he would he would he would do the activities. Um, so. Final thoughts, Paula, to wrap up. What you know, just to encourage people to be thinking. You to know. encourage people to think, and I actually have been the geek that I am. Okay, I actually put something together to wrap up with. And for everybody that's developing courses at the moment, the next time you develop a course, sit down and think about these questions. Okay, think of something that you're good at, and how did you become competent in that? Think about an unsuccessful learning experience and what actually went wrong. Think about how you learned when you were in school and in college, and then think about how you learn now and what are the differences, and can you identify your own learning style. Try and identify your preferred learning environment. Think about what motivates you to learn, and then think about what hinders you to learn. Now, everybody's unique and everybody's going to have a different answer to all of these questions. But if you think about all of them questions when you're developing your course, you be on track of actually getting the teaching style right to engage and bring in all the learners and make sure nobody gets left mm. behind. Because what's really important that I just picked up on there is to be a good teacher, you've got to you have to learn the subject first. You know, it's like me, a, a commercial photographer, I had to learn that subject. And I you just you just asked a question there and I had to although I watched a lot of videos it was, I had all the knowledge here, but it wasn't until I actually applied it practically over the years that I actually grew as a photographer. So there was that practical application. What I'm going to ask Paula is, can you give, send me a copy of those notes and I'll put them in the YouTube video description, those questions. Yeah. And yeah. Then can, I'll actually put those in the video YouTube video description so people can actually then go and find that. If they're listening to this and they're listening to the podcast, go and find that question. Take some time breaking those questions down because there's quite a few questions there. And I think that'd be really useful. Yeah, yeah. And can we can we badger you for an offer, for a coupon offer for your course? Of course we can. Of course yes, we can. I'll, I'll send one, one on to you. Yeah, I'll, I'll send one on to you. Yeah. I'll put that in the YouTube description. So if you're, again, on the podcast and you want to get some more information, like I say, Paul is our resident expert on, on OV on all this stuff. So uh, you want to get some more information on, and you want to have a look at Paula's course, go to the YouTube video and I'll ask Paula to keep an open coupon there, especially for you guys. Just one last thing. There's a MOOC yes, starting tomorrow, if anybody's interested in it. It's it's on by, it's been ran by Coursera. And I think the title of it is Learning to Teach Online. Wow. So okay. it's a it's a short MOOC. It's only a six week MOOC, and it was from doing so many MOOCs. Oh, I just love learning. I just I just I, I absorb information. I just go through them like there's no tomorrow. It was actually from doing MOOCs, and that being my preferred learning style because of the way they include activities and all that pushed me to do this current course that I have from on Udemy. You learn a huge amount about teaching style about presentation about activities um, there's a huge they'll have a huge amount of activities within the the MOOC and you can apply a lot of these to your particular course so if anybody has the spare time to do them if you sign up with Coursera you'll find that if you just look up e-learning on Coursera mm. you should be able to find it pretty easy it's free to sign up on the way they work is they have a, a set time where they have a live lecture and then they have all these activities and you have to have your activity done by a certain date but if you don't it doesn't matter they have places to post the activities but you can go back and you can revisit the lectures and that if you miss them and you can't attend the live session but they only release each week they don't release the whole course they'll only release okay. the first week and the first week's activities and the next week they'll release the following okay. week's activities. Can you do a post for us on the OV community for that so that anybody I watching indeed, that, yeah. can have the link? That would be great. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is uh, I think we've uh, pretty much covered everything. Like I said, I'm going to put that link below in the, uh, the YouTube video from Paula. So go and check that out. You know, I've been through the course and it's a good course. It's got some real interesting stuff in there. And it's going to make you really think deeper about the way you teach and why you teach. And, and I'm hoping just this conversation here is showing that we become intelligent about the way we're teaching and about the way people learn. It's only going to benefit our courses uh, in the long run. It's going to be better for our students and obviously better for us. And I'm already starting to think, okay, so I need to be putting more activities into my courses 
because I, I'm, I'm sort of, I, t I tend to sort of drift to the lecture style. So I'll lecture and talk, and t but I've, you know, speaking to Paul tonight has really opened my eyes up. Just there. another so tip I, that I wanted to bring up, and I, I forgot. Yes. I know you're trying to wrap up there, Mark. But no, but I'm sure they're they, 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 they can have another one. Look at what they're doing in the in the Udemy Facebook group, in the, the studio, I think it's the studio. You learn a lot from, I'm a bit of a stalker of the studio, I wouldn't be too active within the studio, but you actually learn a lot from Udemy. They ran a summer challenge there last mm. month on getting a course, and they used external resources. They pointed you to Google Docs for the activities. Mm. They're trying to tell you something there. They haven't spelt it out to you. They haven't said, look, this is a way to engage your students. Have a look at what they're doing to teach you to build your course in the Udemy Studio mm. and learn from that as well. Because if, if you watch what they're doing, they, they've come so far from where they were two years ago in terms of learning and teaching. Mm. that it's, it's just another tip. Just keep an eye on what Udemy are doing themselves for teaching incoming yeah. instructors. Because they just had the summer camp, didn't they? So they're really sort of you know, giving people these, uh, like you say, these activities to activities, do. Activities, yes. They're really focusing on activities. So uh, just some final thoughts from our um, Q&A app. If you've left any comments in the uh, this, in the event stream, I do apologize. I couldn't bring them in. Um, really great insight into quizzes. Thanks. Personally, I hate them. Robin <laughs> Slee. <laughs> and Gisela, I just wanted to pick up a point from Gisela. And Gisela said, I think mixing lectures in various formats, videos, audios, and texts of exercises will achieve, uh, including audio, visual, and kinesthetic styles, is more fun. Of course, Udemy demands at least 6% of video in the delivery style, but I think what Paul is pointing out here is if we can create activities and we think in terms of activities and the three different learning styles, the visual, audio, and kinesthetic, and as Paul has said, there's much more to the subject than this, We've just discussed basically one of Paula's lectures. That's what we've done. And then there's lots of other lectures and all this other different stuff in there. So I strongly recommend you go in and take the course and have a look at that. And um, we have, just want to thank you all for watching. I want to thank Paula for coming on and sharing everything with us. And uh, we've got a break next week. So we don't have a hangout next week, uh, but we'll catch up again in the week after with another Udemy chat. So. Thank you for watching, guys, and uh, uh, good luck with your course creation. <laughs>